What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 23. This is part two of my conversation I had with Sokotra Williams. In the first one, we spoke about the SUGSA committee. And today, um, in this episode, we spoke about the actual role of a scrum master, but diving into it a bit deeper from a more experienced point of view, looking further than just the framework that we are kind of taught in our certifications, you know, understanding the velocity, story points, types of things, but actually diving into the, the psychology of creating a high performance team. So I hope you enjoy it. Remember to subscribe and like. Um, your support is obviously appreciated and it helps grow the channel. Enjoy the show. So um, can you, you explained earlier about your journey, finding the SUGSA committee. How did you come mm -hmm. across learning about the role of a scrum master? Like, how did you get into it? Mm. Well, I, I guess I mentioned that uh, going to a SUGSA event sparked my curiosity and I could really see the um, so were you not a scrum real master value of the community? I was not. I oh, was really? Not so you, were, you got exposed to that first? Oh, that's an interesting way. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I studied organizational psychology. So I really had an interest in people and how we work and, mm. and what that looks like. Uh, and I suppose I took a little bit of a meandering uh, journey after my studies and did teaching and I was a facilitator for a while and I was in finance and then then the, these questions about agile came up from attending a SUGSA event and <laughs> again really question re reading a lot a lot of material yeah. and then being being cheeky and asking to see behind the scenes of what this actually meant and so shadowing an experienced scrum master was absolutely vital for me to mm. understand what actually what actually happens um and what a high performing team could really looks like um mm, mm. that for me was really really powerful so I was able to to watch and observe and ask questions and see how all the different pieces of the puzzle kind of fit together. Mm. And after after that experience, which was took me well over a year, I would say, to just learn and ask questions, mm. I decided this looks like something that I'm really sort of passionate about and I want to pursue. Mm. That's when I got certified, and that's when I reached out and and found an opportunity as a junior scrum master and mm, uh, mm. yeah and now now i'm here <laughs> yeah and so what do you feel has been your biggest move so from those early days of being a junior scrum master what when do you feel you kind of now into an intermediate or a senior scrum master role? What are the learnings or mm. what are the things that you kind of realize later on as your journey, if you had to compare to back then to now, what is that the biggest mm. difference that you have found? Wow, that's a great question. I think the biggest difference between how I feel now and how I, how I felt in the beginning has just been you know, being, being more okay with uncertainty. I know that sounds, <laughs> sounds really strange, but, uh, and, and really leaning more into a coaching stance. I think when I started, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty for me still, uh, and, and the, the good old imposter syndrome kicking mm. in, but uh, I think uh, you kind of gravitate towards your strengths. And I felt really strong as a facilitator. And now 
uh, I've definitely stepped more into a, a coaching stance. And, and I think that is the most powerful stance that you can have. Mm. Um, and I think being a coach is being really comfortable with uncertainty and, and knowing that you might not have the answer and and that's okay the, the answer has to mm. come from the system or the team or the mm. organization itself and so that has shifted so greatly for me whereas mm. when I initially started it was you know I have the answers but I'm really uncertain and I don't like dealing with uncertainty let me gravitate to being a facilitator and and kind of showing people where to go mm. now mm. I come from a place where it's um there is uncertainty of course there will be uncertainty let me be more of a coach and that is the most powerful place for me to help us mm, get to mm. the you know the right the right answer for that particular context mm. so for somebody that's kind of in some of the shoes and they walk into a, a, a um, an organization or a team that haven't practiced it your new, your your more experienced eyes in terms of being now an agile coach or a scrum master. What is it? The what what signs do you look for in the beginning to say, okay, cool? Because as a coach, obviously, what you need to do is you've got to find where the gaps are and then try and plug them. What do you generally look for when you join a new team? Mm, that's a great question. So I think I think there are a couple of models in in general that you can use to sort of. And I I don't know when people say models. You know, People think, oh, here we go. <laughs> but again, using them as tools and and mm. and only up until a point where um and, and definitely from a stance of, you know, uh I I might not necessarily have all the answers. You will most likely have the answer. Because I think when you go into this space, people think, okay, this agile coach, they're gonna mm. come in and tell us everything that we're doing wrong and tell us exactly how we should how we should be doing it. And it's a silver bullet that's gonna save the day. Yeah. really like really being explicit about the what the process will look like and also being transparent about some of the models that I'll use as a lens to see what is happening in the system mm. is really really helpful and, and making sure that people know up from that that that's not uh what's going to be happening we're not I'm not going to roll out uh, uh, this big grand plan I need mm. to be able to be part of the system and get curious uh, mm. and, and get their permission to, to, to do that and go there with them mm. and then share some of my thoughts and, and, and my observations and then contracting with them and saying, okay, well, does this feel like the, the parts that are, that are missing, that there's mm. a gap uh, and then we'll refine that together and we'll come to next steps together um, is I think the most useful place to, to, to start. Mm. Sure. I like your curiosity. Yeah, I like your approach of thinking. And that's exactly why I wanted to ask the question, because I always felt as a junior scrum master, we go in and it's what's the velocity, what are the things that we, you know, those basic, you, you know, the what the framework teaches us, but it's not necessarily like that. Um, and as you evolve and you get old, you get more experienced, you know, your approach changes, your, your understanding of the role changes, and it, it really is, it matures. Um, You've spoken, you mentioned models. Can you just give an example mm -hmm. of a model or maybe a model that you've used recently that, that explains it and how mm. it impacted the team? Mm. Um, I had the privilege of going on the Agile coaching course um, that Antoinette uh, co-facilitates. And mm -hmm. 
they share so many incredible sort of team performance models um, within that course. So there's, there's, I think it's Drexter's and Richman's team performance model. That's a really useful one mm -hmm. just to see, you know, looking at a team, where are they at in, in terms of their collaboration and their process and uh, what is what would that look like at different stages? And it's quite mm. practical. Um, and then there's um, also the integral integral model. It kind of looks at an an organization and sort of different parts of what you should be looking at as a coach. Are we looking at sort of like more of a cultural aspect? Are we looking more at like um, behaviors and 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 outputs or delivery um mm. and the different levels that we're that we're looking at because sometimes when we just look at a team we might be missing some of the bigger parts of of what's actually influencing that team so mm. on a management level on an organizational level on a cultural level uh, it sort of just expands your thinking a little bit more than just your day-to-day -day observations um Mm. Because jumping to assumptions and jumping to your own sort of biases is, is definitely something to be aware of. And I think that's where using a couple of models to kind of just map out your thinking is mm. useful because uh, you can test your thinking and you can sort of zoom in and zoom out on different levels. Mm. Um, mm. And, and that really colors in. Um, but that was super no interesting. Worries. Yeah, I was really enjoying that. Um, and, and it speaks to something that I've always wondered um, and I always think about, like, you know, we can go and learn about how to, you know, manage a scrum board, for example. But when we start talking about actually going into a team, so what is your kind of comparison between understanding the framework and understanding how to manage your team? So what skills do you, I mean, like you was talking about these models and stuff being kind of like a toolbox, right? What do you feel is the most important for a scrum master to understand the toolboxes or is there another like specific skill set that a scrum master needs to have um, to, you know, be good at their job? What, you know, for anyone that's kind of aspiring to, you know, push the, their boundaries? What should they be looking for? And what should they look intrinsically mm -hmm. into themselves to say, okay, cool, I can take myself that to that level. What, what should they be looking for? Mm. Mm. Great question. I think, I think what tends to happen is that we, we learn, we learn the frameworks and we learn the theory. Mm. Um, and, and that's, exactly. that's, that's an, an okay place to start for mm. sure. I was, I think most people start there. And then mm. once you, once you have that as a foundation, you start realizing that, they, they, that there's these big meta skills that kind of like sit around that foundation yeah. uh, and that will really make the difference in, in how you connect with people and help them. Mm. Um, and, you know, that could be coaching or facilitation um, like mentoring and, and being a leader as well is a huge skill mm. that can really change the way that we have, you know, those sort of pieces in terms of the frameworks and, and the, the practices mm. and all those kinds of things. And I guess it's the same with just agile as a whole. We have these, these strong values and principles, and then, um, you know, they, they're this, they're like the strong foundation, but then, you know, as you go up, there's all these little bits and pieces. Then we get to, then we start talking about the boards and, mm. you know, and a retro and stand up and all those 
sort of things, but it's so much deeper than that. And I mm -hmm. think being an agile person is so much deeper than that. It's not just about the frameworks. It's about these big meta skills that we need mm. to kind of equip ourselves with. And I think in being an agile person, something that you really need to equip yourself with is just the desire to learn and grow because mm. there's so much more than just that theory and building mm. on those meta skills is you know even working on one could be a lifetime's uh exercise you know a lifetime mm. sort of goal yeah if you wanted to be you know be a really great coach or like an excellent remote facilitator or whatever the case may be mm. and i think just be you know being able to be curious and really invest a lot in your own learning and development whether mm. it's you know going on courses getting a mentor uh, asking for feedback at work. Um, mm. There are a lot of, you know, ways that we have to kind of uh, almost say or admit our vulnerabilities or our knowledge gaps because that's mm. the only way that we're going to learn and develop and, and grow and be more useful um, and be better or, or even reach like a level of excellence mm. in terms of what we do every day. Yeah. No, you're touching on a few things there, which I love. And um, again, it goes back to my journey of, you know, getting certified and then finding Sugsa is, you know, I learned those basics and then I went to Sugsa and I was like, but they're having very different conversations. And this is super interesting, like learning sleeping, how sleeping patterns can influence teams. Like, oh, wow, I've never thought about that. That's, that's a different thing to kind of look into. And all these things that you're talking, these meta skills that you're talking about, it, it, it's been fa fascinating. Um, how deep the role actually goes that people don't realize. Yeah. And, and that's a great thing again about Sugsa because they open your eyes to that, which I, I loved a lot. Um, going to this, gosh, new normal um, and, and working remote, how, do you, how have you found that transition trying to now implement all these things, being aware of all these things and probably having that toolkit within an office space with whiteboards and you know being able to pick up on people's energies around a table versus um, how we've now moved to this online. How have you found that as a Scrum Master or an Agile coach? How, how's that experience been for you a year later and still being remote? I will admit and be very honest that mm. initially it was super tough. I mm. felt very disconnected. I, f I felt almost useless um, and thinking, you know, what, what can I actually do here? And I felt mm. really, really disempowered. And now, a year later, I can honestly mm. say that I, I stepped out of that space and I sort of embraced COVID being my, my remote working MBA opportunity. And the amount of things that I've learned and seen in the past year has totally changed, shifted my thinking. Yeah. And I've seen the power of working remotely and I really, really embrace it. And I think there's a lot, a lot to learn there. And mm. the last year, even the types of conversations that I'm having right now is, you know, how do we create a remote working manifesto in our space to, to make remote working a lot more intentional and enjoyable for people? Mm, mm, mm. Um, how do we, how do we have, 
really awesome whiteboarding sessions that we missed when we were in in, in person. Is that possible? Yes, mm. I think it is possible. Let's yeah. explore that together. Um, you know, what are the big assumptions and 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 gripes that people may have? People are not turning on their videos and calls. Well, mm-hmm. why why is that? Let's ask some questions. Um, mm. And actually, that was something that happened recently. And and through a survey, so so much light came to that. Uh, and it wasn't what people were thinking at all that, pe- you know, I think you tend to think, well, people just don't want to engage. They're multitasking. It's hard to read them. Mm. Um, but some people just didn't have webcam functionality even, or they, um, they just really felt like their space was, you know, they, they have so little privacy and just being on video all day is even more yeah. fatiguing than, than, than not. So can't have my lunch cause you're uh, watching me. <laughs> Exactly. People, some people just don't like to yeah. be seen, you know, with yeah. the mayonnaise in the corner mm. of the mouth or whatever. And yeah, really, really driving home, like being human mm. um, has been such a lesson in this time, you know, really thinking about what people are experiencing and going through and making, making space for that. It's been mm. really, really important. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's so interesting because I found I find myself maybe surrounded by you know not enough people that have been doing this for long enough because I feel like there's almost too much focus on you know the what the what the the certification teaches us you know there's too much focus on a burn down chart or you know trying to get a velocity chart going or whatever it is and the conversations aren't around you know how to improve the team and kind of going into the bonnet of it um so I want to just dive into it a little bit more. Um, you know, you can't be in meetings all day. So as a scrum master, you know, outside of your usual ceremonies, how are you kind of preparing for those ceremonies or what other ceremonies mm-hmm. or what other things are you doing that maybe a lot of juniors aren't doing because they aren't aware of it yet. So like how you, you studied, what did you mm-hmm. say? Organizational, what was it? Psychology. Psychology. So mm-hmm. What kind of things are you from from that kind of background? Are you bringing to the fore in your teams, and how are you pre- preparing for it, especially now in a remote setting? So it's quite a loaded mm. question. <laughs> I'm very curious. No, it's a great question. Um, I don't know if I've pulled so much from my organizational psychology days, but I think the perspective that I'm stepping into a lot more is from an organization perspective, and I think a lot of us stay on the team level Mm. and I think where the biggest influence is is empowering leaders and there are leaders within the team there are leaders that are managing the team there there's there could be depending on the organization lots of different layers of leaders but and especially in my case where uh, I'm one agile coach in an organization how do I empower the uh, the the people around me. Mm. Um, I shouldn't be the only facilitator that we have. You know? yes. So yes. empowering people within the teams, within the space to be excellent remote facilitators is something that I can easily do. Mm. Um, how do how do I how do I kind of um, enable people to be great mentors? Um, how can how can teams sort of almost self coach uh, and be self empowered because uh, I, I can't I can't scale to 
to the amount of teams mm. or people that they are. And, and that's not going to bring the greatest value to the organization for me to be in every single team stand up, mm. for me to be in every single, no you know, do every single retrospective. It has to become part of who we are as you know part of the dna of an organization if if it is possible and and it definitely in my space which is more startup mm, um mm, i think mm. people are really ready to to kind of embrace that and and know that those are great skills to have mm, uh, that mm. they could take with them uh going forward in almost any sort of uh, future work situation well, exactly, yeah. so really empowering really empowering these kind of key skills mm. so that i i don't have to be in a million places at once and if, if the teams are doing amazingly then then i'm doing my job well and and even if i'm not really not even there and i can be brought in to consult or coach on specific mm-hmm. things and i think that's where i can bring the the greatest value yeah that's fantastic so what is your biggest lesson thus far in your sort of Scrum Master Agile journey? Something we haven't touched on yet. Mm. Is there something that really stands out for you? How long have you been doing it, actually? Not, not all that long, Bobby, to be honest. Oh, really? um, and so it's actually been quite interesting being asked questions about being more experienced because I've, I've only been an Agile person for two and almost a half years i wouldn't so have said that not very long at all i would never have said that just gotta just go with confidence is this a, <laughs> is this the imposter syndrome you <laughs> you've nailed it <laughs> yeah, that's funny no i think i think you can go quite far and and in a short amount of space and i think mm. it's it's homage to the community which we've been speaking so much about mm, um yeah. and and i and i think you can you can give a lot of value in a short amount of time and, and learn in quite a short amount of time, which is mm, which mm. is why it's so exciting. And I know uh, agile people who used to be um, uh, blacksmiths and um, engineers and software developers, and you know there's just like quite a big variety of of fields that people are bringing, mm. um, and they might not have necessarily started even in software. And yeah. so that's why I think it's quite exciting. Um, mm. But one of the biggest lessons I would say that I've learned or the, the thing, the theme that I'm dealing with a lot lately is how we are, we're leaders. Um, mm. and, 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 and we always say servant leadership, yeah. but really sort of underlining and highlighting that word of leadership. Um, and that it's not always, because I think we get the idea that servant leadership is sort of meek and you know mm. to the back and there are times when we are actually we're we're experts or you know we we know a lot about a particular thing and we need to sort of voice that and step into it and and do so with confidence um and, and then there's times that we need to sort of coach and and, mm. and come from that stance but really we are leaders mm. um and so i'm thinking about for myself how how can I step into my leadership? How can I, how can I influence leaders if I don't identify myself as a leader, and so and really own that and really own that space? So I think leadership, uh, learning how to be a leader and how to be a good leader is is part of what I what I'm discovering is sort of key for me and how I can 
bring you know the best impact the best value um mm. in what i do every day sure just drop the mic you're done that was amazing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you for that. I mean, a lot of people, they, they want to, they want to coach on the executive level. Like, how do you have Mm. conversations with CEOs and CTOs? Mm. Uh, Mm. That can be really, really intimidating. And, and, and and really stepping into your own leadership is is so important. Mm, mm. Uh, And it's, it's different, you know, you've got to say, you've got to speak differently and, and think a little bit differently and yeah there's a lot of power and influence that can be gained from from having if i if you could just elaborate before we lost the connection just um as a leader talking to your uh, executives your ctos and whatnot i think that is a, a big thing so you could just want to finish off what you were talking about there because it is a, a big mm-hmm. thing to be able to do that and to try and be as a leader talking to the leaders yeah i think what i'm uh what i'm busy learning at the moment is you have to change the way you speak because when we talk to teams there's a specific sort of way uh, mm. that we engage and speak to them um, they might have a lot of that context and, and sometimes at a, a leadership level they don't have the, the lingo the same lingo and so you have to yeah. really be really mindful about how we what what we're saying and, mm. and making sure that it's that it's relatable, that it makes sense, um, mm-hmm. that it speaks to to the value, um, and and really think about it from from their perspective. Yeah, you know what 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 are what is driving them? What is their motive? What is their motivation behind what they're doing? What they're mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. achieve? And so, really thinking about it a little bit more and changing gear from maybe mm-hmm. a team level or individual level, it's very very different than the language. Mm-hmm is very, very different. And I think yeah. we have to actually practice that yeah. um, in order to get at it. Yeah. And I think it's okay. You're going to be uncomfortable at first, but you're not going to, mm-hmm. you're not going to grow if you're not pushing yourself to do that. So yeah, I like that a lot. Um, so yeah, I've really stretched our time, but the last question I have for you and what I like to ask all my guests are for book recommendations. Um, is there a book mm-hmm. that you've enjoyed the most reading that has helped you something that you feel everyone should read? Uh, I suppose the last book that sort of really jolted me a little bit Mm -hmm. and that I thoroughly enjoyed reading was Klaus Leopold's Rethinking Agile. Okay. Um, And and that's kind of where flight levels come from looking, looking just, you know, looking outside teams, agile teams and looking at agility on an organizational level Mm. I think that was quite, it's a, it's a short read, oh, yeah? wonderful illustrations. Um, and, and a lot of what I got from the book has really, really helped me think about this, like a system as a whole and how you can influence different parts of the system. Um, and so that was, that was a really, really, that does sound good, like a good one. Somewhat recent read. Yeah. That does yeah. sound like a good one. Cause I've always been, I've been talking a lot about that, like not just from a team level, but an organization level, bringing in your agile and all of that. So that's going to go on my uh, wish list. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Put it in my cart. Do it. That's <laughs> okay. Well, so coach, thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed uh, chatting to you. Lots of insights across the board. Um, yeah. Hopefully I'll have you on again. I think there's, there's lots of room and lots of room for conversation if you're keen. 
definitely. I'm, I'm going to be cheeky and add one other book. Oh, please do. Um, the, the Remote Facilitator's Pocket Guide hmm. by Kirsten and, and Jay Allen. Yes. That is an excellent book to read if you're yeah. wanting to really learn more about remote facilitation, especially now. Um, mm. uh, it's so practical and useful and, and short read uh, that I think anyone could really get value mm. from. No, 100%. It's a golden nugget. I said, there's even things in there that you don't even have to refer to remote. It's just, when I interviewed them for the mm -hmm. podcast, I said to them that their book needs to be part of a curriculum for being a scrum master. <laughs> yeah, 100% agree. It's a great book. I like that. <laughs> um, cool. Again, but Sakotra, thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting to you. Thanks, Bobby. It was a lot of fun. Thanks yeah. for inviting me.